Good morning. Passages from Luke chapter 6, verse 45 and 46. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Good morning, church. Wow, please forgive me. We're never done this early. And had a few little extra things I needed to look into my lesson. Uh, Before we get started this morning, would you bow with me in prayer? Wow, Father, uh, thank you that truly uh, you are the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And uh, that is why we do come this morning and offer you our praise. Uh, That's why we come and offer you our service. That's why we come to offer um, the love that you have poured into us to one another. Wow, what a gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ. Uh, And we want to leave here today looking a little bit more like him than we came in. So would you take this sack lunch of a message? And would you transform it like you did on that seashore so many years ago with that little boy's lunch into a feast for us? And Father, we're not the only ones that are, that are attempting to do this this morning. Uh, Sunset Baptist Church, would you please bless them as they are uh, lifting up your name, preaching your word, sharing the Lord's Supper. You knit our hearts together so that nothing would ever divide us and ever take away from our example to the world that you came and it mattered. And we ask us, and everyone who believed that said, Amen. I got a couple of quick commercials. I hope you've been keeping up with your KCC notes. Uh, They are incredible uh, to help us uh, eliminate as many announcements during this time as possible. And and they're only an effective tool of communication, not only if we write them, but that you read them. So I'm asking, would you please uh, make an extra effort to at least, if you're not going to answer any emails for the day at all, please go to the KCC notes almost every day if you can and check to see what's going on in the life of this church because there is always so much going on with this many people here. Um, And if you had noticed this week, there had been some announcements in there about uh, Bible classes. A lot of you did notice them because you weren't here early this morning at 9 o'clock when we had those classes. But we're not going to be having Bible classes for the next two weeks, not just this Sunday and the upcoming Wednesday, but also the next Sunday and the upcoming Wednesday. All right? So four different times when we would normally have classes of all ages, we're not going to have any of those classes at all. However, uh, as I know Raymond has shared, we're going to be having this coming Wednesday night a tremendous night of praise. Now, the worship team is going to be leading that, and it's not just going to be a learn new songs night. It's not just going to be, um, oh, well, let's just sing a bunch of songs. No, this is going to be a time when we come together and say, Lord, would you come be with us in a unique way? Please come and put some peak in our week, and you don't want to miss that. Now, in two weeks, on August the 1st, on Wednesday night, we're going to also be doing something special. Go ahead and there we go. We're going to be watching a family movie right here in this room, and if you've not been a part of that in the past, you have missed out. Uh, This year we're going to be having some popcorn and some homemade ice cream, calories and something that crunches, all right? So come and join us to see a great movie. How many of you have seen this already? Okay, quite a few of you have. Gail and I have too. Cannot wait to see it again. And we want you to come and join us to do just that. All right. Right now I need your help, and this is part of what I was working on in my office just a few moments ago, um, because there are so many that are missing. A lot of our Manita bombs are on vacation. It's July, and a lot of us are on vacation. Like the rest of Texas, we're just going to all the places we can find where it's cool or where there's some water, something to get out of this incredible heat. 
And so because we're kind of low in number, I need everybody's help who can. All right? Now, this is if you can. But if you can, for two minutes, no more than two minutes, would you please stand up? Everybody. Need your help here. Essential to the lesson. Okay, one more time. Raise your hand. Have you ever played Simon Says? All right. This is going to be easy then. I won't have to spend a lot of time explaining the rules because it really is pretty easy. You just simply do what Simon says, and I'm going to be Simon. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do anything that's going to embarrass anybody or is going to be that difficult to do. But when you play Simon Says, though, if you haven't played, you can only do what Simon says or you're out. If I happen to say something and don't attach to it, Simon says, don't do that or you're out. All right, we're just going to practice because I don't want anybody to mess up in the real game. Here's the practice run, all right? Simon says, pat your head. Oh, y'all are doing great. Okay, go ahead and stop. Oh, Simon didn't say stop, so y'all sit down. Now, you're going to get right back up in a second, so don't sit too long. But those of you who are remaining, you're patting that head, okay? If you stopped patting your head, you need to sit down because you're supposed to be patting your head. Okay, now that's practice. Everybody up. Now, remember, if I've asked you to do something, you keep doing that until Simon says stop. Or if I just say don't do something, you you got to keep going because it's got to have Simon Says. All right, now, everybody's practice. Everybody's going to get a, the, the, the prize. You ready for the All right, I can't tell you about the prize yet. Here we go. Simon Says, rub your tummy. Oh, y'all are doing great. Stop rubbing your tummy. Oh, look at them. They're rubbing, they learned that for y'all are sharp. All right, Simon Says, rub your tummy and tweak your beak. Now, this is really hard for a few of you, I can see already. All right. You can stop tweaking your beak. Oh, some of you, whoever stopped tweaking their beak, you got to sit down. All right, you're rubbing your tummy now. Simon says, keep rubbing your tummy and smile real big. Oh, y'all are doing great. Some of you are saying, I can't smile. I don't want to do this stupid game. All right, now. All right, thank you so much. You can all sit down. Hold it. Simon didn't say you could sit down. But you can all sit down now. Go ahead. Simon says you can sit down. Ah, I wanna, you got it. <laughs> now, believe it or not, the prize is seeing the beaming smile on the neighbor next to you. Really, we're going to take this little demonstration, hopefully to a a point in the, me- in the next five, couple of minutes that, um, that's going to matter. Um, we're going to peek in on the disciples in John chapter 13. And they're participating in a little similar exercise, but it's not called Simon Says, it's called Jesus Says. And it is a moment that so deeply impacted John, Jesus' best friend, he said, I've got to write this down. Because future generations need to know how impactful this this time was with the Lord. Why? Why spend our time looking at this today? Because Simon says it's a game for fun. But Jesus says it's a game for life. It's a game plan for life. When we come to John chapter 13, Jesus is at the end of his ministry in a human body on earth. We know in John chapter 1... Remember that the Word became flesh, the eternal Word of God that was spirit, 
came down to earth through a virgin by the name of Mary, and he became one of us. And, and John says he tabernacled her. He made his place with us, and he experienced everything we do, the food we experience, and the stress we experience, and the relationships we experience, the highs and the lows, the rejections, the joys. He experienced it all. But what John's going to tell us right here in this particular chapter is, is we're at the end of all that. No more miracles. No more signs as he refers to them as going to be done. No more Bible studies. No more devotionals. As a matter of fact, in just a few hours, Jesus is going to be on a slab in a borrowed tomb, dead. But before that, he wants to enjoy a good meal with those closest to him. It was a Passover meal, kind of like our Thanksgiving meal. But look who's on his guest list to spend his last hours with. Judas, who's going to betray him, and he knows that. Next to Judas is a guy by the name of Peter, who is going to deny him. Deny that he, that he knew him at all. And Jesus knows that. Then there's the rest of the apostles all around the room that are reclining at the table, just enjoying some good food, who are all going to become cowards, every single one of them, and run away in his greatest hour of need. And he knows that. And to give just a little bit more insight into the atmosphere that's at the table, Luke adds in his own life story of Jesus, and they have been arguing over who is the greatest among themselves. Wow. How about that for a setting? For a celebration, Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> Peter's staking his claim for having the greatest impact on this little group of theirs. Because he's been given the keys to the kingdom, hadn't he? Thomas says, no, 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 I'm the greatest. Because remember, I'm the one who said at Bethany, let's go die with him. Anybody else say that? No, nah, that was me. And John's saying, listen, got that all topped. I'm his best friend. Enough said. And on and on, Philip, Andrew, Bartholomew, they're all trying to stake their claim. as to who's the greatest in this bunch in the midst of this atmosphere of traitors and deniers? And cowards. That's what we call the Last Supper. And here's what the Bible says about that. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Zone in on this one. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and he was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing to give himself some room to express himself clearly and accurately. And he, let me hit the pause button for just a second before we talk about what Jesus did. Can I ask you to think about what you might have done? With men that you've poured your entire life in for the last three years, I'm talking every day and every night for three years. And you're surrounded in this room. You're the, the last meal you're ever going to share with them. And there's a traitor there and a denier there. And all of the rest of them are cowards who are going to desert you in your hour of greatest needs. And they're all ogre arguing over who's the top dog. Who's the big kahuna. And you have all the power in the world. <laughs> what would you do? All authorities in your hands do whatever you want to do with that group of people right there. I don't know what your move might have been. 
But I can tell you this, I know mine. It wouldn't have been to wash their feet. It wouldn't. The scripture says he takes off his cloak to free up his arms. And he grabs a towel. Not to pop them with it. Not to put it around their neck and strangle them with it. Even though all authority and all power, and he could have done whatever he wants to in that moment. No, he grabs a towel and a basin of water. And he takes and removes the sandals of each of these rascals. And he begins to wash from their stinky feet the day's dirt and the donkey manure and anything else that they had stepped in or got on those stinky feet. He starts washing it off. And I got to tell you, about Thursday afternoon, this all just stopped me in my tracks. Not because I haven't read the feet washing before, not because I haven't taught on the feet washing before, but that's part of the scripture, knowing that he had all power, knowing that he had all authority, and he could have done a hundred things in that moment with this group of betrayers and cowards and deniers, and he chooses to wash feet? Really? I'm telling you, I couldn't move. I don't think that's how I would have reacted. Here's the question I've got to ask you then. Is it how you would have reacted? If you found yourself in a situation, in a position of knowing they're wrong and they know you're right, if you've been there and you've had the upper hand and you can make your move and you can preach your sermon or you can spew or you can rant and punish and you can put people in their place, my question is, is do you? Do you wash feet? I don't know what you do in those moments, but I can tell you about me. Serving them would not be on my radar. Serving them up, baby. But not serving them. It's the furthest thing from my mind, I can assure you of that. But Jesus doesn't offer up a speech. He doesn't spew. He doesn't slap. No, he offers up service. He doesn't make a declaration. He offers a demonstration. And what a demonstration. Because if actions speak louder than words, this guy's shouting at this time and in these circumstances as he washes stinking feet. I cannot fathom how he can be so kind to us. I can't. How he kneels before us and he takes our feet in his hands and he washes them. Brother, please understand that in washing the feet of the disciples, Jesus is washing ours. You and I are in this story. We are the cowards. We are the traitors. We're the rebels. We're the deniers. And we're at the table. That's us being cleansed, not from our dust and not from our dung, but from our sins. And thanks to Peter, we learn having our feet washed isn't just a polite gesture. It's mandatory if you want to be his disciple. It's mandatory. Listen to the word. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, do you not realize No, you're not going to realize. There's no way you could know what I'm doing right now. But later you'll understand. No. Mm -mm. You're not washing my feet. Jesus said, unless I wash you, 
You have no part in me. Hmm. To me, that means this washing is pretty important. That this cleansing is absolutely necessary if you want to be a disciple of Jesus. And friend, it is for two reasons. Number one, we can't wash ourselves. Not in belonging to him. Now, you know as well as I do, he could have walked into that room at the beginning of the evening, and he could have announced, all right, you guys are a mess. I heard what you were arguing about. I know what's going on. I know what you're going to do, and you're going to do, and all of you are going to do. You need to stop right now and get yourselves cleaned up. You need to get your act together. Do you hear me? The directive is not for me to wash my own feet. It's because we can't cleanse that kind of filth from our lives can't. None of us can remove our own sin. It is mandatory that our feet are placed in his hands or we can't be his disciple. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 22 says, although you wash yourself with soap and use an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me, says the sovereign Lord. I'm going to ask you to lean in for a moment. And listen as closely as maybe you've listened this entire lesson. Brother, when you place your feet in the basin of Jesus Christ, you are placing the filthiest parts of you in his hands. And the water he offers to cleanse you with only comes when we confess that we are hopelessly caked in a filth we can't remove. That we have walked paths and taken turns that can only be characterized as rebellious and self-centered Only then can his grace and his mercy through his blood cleanse me from every ounce of dirty sin in my life. If there's anything that I take away from John 13, it's that. And so I'm encouraging us to be honest. Have you done that with him? Because all of us in this room, I know you pretty well, you know me pretty well, can be pretty proud. And like Peter, resist thinking that we're that dirty. Really? And that is as much a lie from Satan as Judas believed. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we're just fooling ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Oh, brother, please hear me this morning. If you have never been cleansed, you can't, you can't have life with the dirt that's on you and in you. You can't. Not now, and you won't have it when Jesus Christ comes and takes us home. But... Hear it from God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth, if you're willing to confess, you can be saved. You've got his word on that. I think it's time some of you today just... Just stopped with the blaming and just stopped with the excuses and just fessed up, God, I'm a mess and I can't clean this up myself. Oh, you are so close to being absolutely white as snow. This isn't an option. And if you want to wash the feet off of other people and the dirt that that sometimes gets on you and them, this isn't an option. When he had finished washing their feet, the Bible says, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. 
You call me teacher and Lord, and that's right. For that's what I am. But now, if I've washed your feet, you should wash each other's feet. If I can wash a betrayer's feet and the deceitful's feet and the coward's feet and the self-centered's feet, I'm expecting it of you. You see, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Again, those words stopped me in my tracks for quite some time this week. Two things I take away from John 13. The first is this. We've already looked at it. We can't wash our own feet. But the second one is just as true. We must wash the feet of others. We can't wash our own feet and we must wash the feet of others. It's about this time in messages like this or classes that I've taught on this particular subject or this text that somebody's thinking, but you don't understand, sportsman. You don't understand the depth of betrayal that I've experienced. You don't understand what it's cost me. You don't understand the depths of deceit that I've experienced or injustice that I've suffered. And you know what? Maybe not. But the question of the day is this. Could it be more than that of Judas's, whose feet Jesus washed? But Jimmy, I just won't. Well, you're not alone in saying that, not at least in the American church. In America, we love the place, Simon says. Even some of you all ago, I know, that kind of reluctantly got up. I saw you smile while we were kind of going through that. We love the place, Simon says. But when it comes to Jesus says, we can be pretty creative about not doing what Jesus says. In the modern church, we play Jesus says with a little twist, and here's the twist. If Jesus asks us to do something, if you really don't want to do it, just memorize it. <laughs> Covered. Why is that? How is it that we've determined that we are still in the Jesus game, and we don't do what Jesus says do? That we think we've got some kind of a past when he says, go into the world and you make disciples of all nations. How many of us are actually making disciples? Oh, but we've memorized it. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He tells us not to just love those who love us, but you love your enemies. Those who've done you dirty, those who have hurt you, those who have frustrated you, lied to you, deceived you. I won't do that, Lord. But I'll memorize the verse. I will. When Lauren was a teenager and I asked her to go upstairs and clean her room, it just didn't work for me much when she came down two hours later and said, Dad, I memorized what you said. Lauren, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek if you want me to. And Dad, oh, by the way, we've got, this, um, we've got some, guy, some guys and some girls coming over later. We're going to have a Bible study because we're all going to study about what it might look like if I cleaned my room. What do you think? Lauren knew better. That when her dad asked her to do something, she knew he meant it. And most of the time recognized the fact that she was probably capable of it. Memorizing and quoting and singing and studying Jesus says isn't enough because this isn't a game. It's not rocket science either. He says, just do what I've asked. 
Just do what I've done for you, actually, is what he's saying. Do what I've empowered you to do through the power of the Spirit. If I've forgiven you, you be forgiven. You forgive people. If I've, if I've empowered you, do what you can to empower people. If I've, I've been patient with you, you be patient with other folks. John 13 says, I expect you to. Wow, that was another pause for this week. I expect, not I'm hoping you will, I expect you to. I want you to leverage the love and the freedom and the life that I have given you and to serve even your difficult mate and the difficult people in your office and the difficult person on your soccer team and the difficult person in your Bible class or your youth group and to recognize they need it. To figure out what that need is and to do your best to meet that need. Not because they deserve it. No way. You didn't deserve what Jesus did for you, but because they need it. And our world says, that is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard in my life. It is out of this world. But it came into this world and it put on some skin and said, but I'm, I'm offering it to you and I'm expecting it from you. Because every now and then we're going to find ourselves in a strategic place where we do have the power and we do have the leverage, not to mention the right and the authority, and we will have built our case and our enemies and our betrayers and the people who have hurt us and disappointed us, they will be there and they will know that you're right and they're wrong and they will be watching for what's the next move on your part. What's it going to be, church? Is it to get out the whip? Or to wash some feet. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 13 verse 7. I'm asking you to serve them. I'm asking you to wash your feet because if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you know these things, I want you to understand you'll be blessed if you do them. Not it'll be a blessing for them. It could be. But you know what? Even if it's not and it wasn't for Judas... And it wasn't for some people that, forget the foot washing, Jesus is going to get on the cross for these deniers. He's going to get on the cross for these betrayers. He's going to get on the cross for these cowards. And he asked you, if you want to be my disciple, you get on your own. This is just the beginning of, the, of what he's asking us as disciples to do. It's going to get a little tougher as we finish through this book of John. But he's asking this. Will you wash their feet it will be a blessing to you. Let me close with this. A boy at Buckner Children's Home took that to heart. A few years ago, the children's home there was asking for different churches to help them provide Christmas gifts for the children in their care. The children would write down what they wanted most, and they would turn that in. And then kind-hearted people would take those requests and try their best to fill them. One group came who brought gifts, and there was this um, eight-year-old boy there and they gave him his gift, and the present that he opened turned out to be a doll. The kind of a doll a small child would play with. And at first it was assumed that somebody had made a mistake. And so they started explaining, we're just so sorry, we're going to get you another present. And he said, wait, 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 this is exactly what I asked for, he said. And he went on to explain that he and his little sister had grown up in a very abusive situation. And CPS couldn't find them a home that they both could stay in, so they had to separate them. But they promised that at Christmas this year that he could see his little sister. And he wanted to bring his three-year-old little sister a doll. And he did.
Now, don't feel sorry for that little boy, please. Because on Christmas Day, when he saw his sister and he was able to give her that doubt, I promise you, the blessing was his. Don't take my word for it. Take Jesus's. If you do these things, you will be blessed. It is amazing to me the times that I have taken this message at heart and I have washed feet when I wanted to whip. How it handled my anger. It's amazing what a, a deterrent to self-centeredness washing feet can be. It's amazing the blessing this brings to your life. I'd like to ask you very quietly just to bow your head, please. Who is a person that in the last week or maybe the last month has really hurt you? They, they're wrong and they know it. They made a mistake. They didn't get it right. Maybe on purpose they didn't get it right. What do they need? Don't just think about who they are. Think about what, what is it they might need. Not deserve, but need. If you've got that person's face, if you've got that need, then I'm going to ask you to bow with me and pray. Father, I doubt that it's difficult for, one of us, for any of us to think of um, people that have hurt us, done us wrong, have frustrated us, betrayed us maybe, were deceitful to us. We, we don't have trouble with imagining those things. And we're asking, Father, though, if we're having some trouble thinking about what they need, would you help us with that spirit? God, we, we, we want to respond to Jesus says this morning. We do. And we want to be known as a church full of disciples of Jesus. And so would you please help us this week to follow through with how we might be able to meet that need. For your glory, because of what you've done in meeting the needs of our lives when we've been frustrating and deceitful and arrogant and prideful to you. Thank you so much for loving us in spite of us. We've come here this morning to say we remember in the breaking of this bread and the taking of this cup. We've come this morning to say we remember in the singing of this songs. But we've also come to say we will, like you did, humble ourselves in your sight with your power for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. This morning we can complete that cleansing if you're ready to fess up that you're tired of carrying around the dirt of your sin uh, by seeing you baptized in the Christ. That, that's just not um, an emblem. It's not just a metaphor. Jesus says this in Romans chapter 6, that if you come to him and you are allowing him to wash you, he will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we will place you in a grave, Romans 6 says, just like his. That somehow mysteriously connects you to his. And then we will raise you to walk in brand new, clean life. And you will receive the Holy Spirit to be able to live in that life. If you're here this morning, you just need us to wrap our arms around you. Because maybe just a while ago, a face came up and a need came up that you said, I, I can't meet that without some serious prayer cover. We want to be that prayer cover, okay? Let's be standing, church, as we pledge to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord.